All right, well, one final welcome this morning to all of our guests and everyone in the house, everyone watching online, everybody that will watch later this week, specifically some brothers and sisters in Christ at the Eunice Correctional Facility who will leave that facility and come to church with us. Come on, somebody. That's some cool things happening here in and through this church. When we first got here, it was only a couple of months in, and, and I would introduce myself, and, and then they would ask me the inevitable question, what do you do for a living? And then I had to decide whether I was going to lie or tell the truth in that moment. Um, the reason for that is, is that most people are completely normal until you tell them you're a pastor. And then all of a sudden, they just ch I mean, their speech changes. They start adding blessing to everything that they're saying to you. God's name comes up in the right way. It's just a, it's a cool thing. It just is a little uncomfortable sometimes. So, but when I would do that, and then they would ask, well, where do you pastor? And I would tell them, New Hope. And then immediately, like nine times out of ten, I mean, there were some people that knew, but nine times out of ten, people would ask, where's that? And so I challenged our board. I said, hey, I want you to go through this community. I want you to introduce yourself, and I want you to tell them where you go to church and ask them if they know. So they began to do the same, and, and I was getting the same reports of the things that I was experiencing. People just literally didn't know that there was a church here on Satig Road. When I would explain that there was a church, uh, I would have to explain it. Do you know where St. Thomas More is? you know where the fire station is? Do you know where the baseball fields are? Okay, right in the middle. You know that graveyard? They're like, yeah. It's like, okay, across the street, that's a church. Really? There's a church there. Really? For real? Yeah. They hired me as pastor and everything. It's concerning that, that you didn't know that there was. Well, listen, after your investment and everything that God, God is doing in and through you, I do believe that people are beginning to realize that there's a church on Satig Road, yeah. that God has his hand on the community. And even more importantly... That Jesus still cares significantly about this community, the surrounding area, and every single individual that this church represents and will represent. We are launching this Sunday into a series called Stranger Stories. Stranger Stories. My disclaimer, I have never seen Stranger Things on Netflix. I do not intend to see Stranger Things on Netflix. I do not recommend that you go and see Stranger Things on Netflix. I'm not saying you're going to hell if you've been watching the series. I can't tell you what's in the series. I don't play with the paranormal. Come on, somebody. I don't care if it was located in the 70s or not. It ain't coming into my house in 2000 and whatever year we're in. So this series is actually taking the bizarre of the Bible and beginning to dig in to some of the stories Next week, we're going to go into a story about a time that God asked one of his children to sacrifice his son. We're going to talk about a time where two people went into the temple to experience intimacy and ended up on the wrong end of Phineas's spear. We're going to go into some weird and bizarre stories of the Bible over the next few weeks. And this morning... We're going to open it up with one of the stories that is a little bit concerning if you read the text. and uh, It's the time that Jesus addressed a lady, called her a woman, number one. Woman, which is something I do not recommend. I've tried it, didn't work out well. Uh, and then he went on not to just say woman, but then he called her a dog. Okay? This is an area where I want to recommend highly that you do not act like Jesus. Most of the time, we would want you to know Him, make Him known, and abide in Him and walk as He walked. But 
This is not one of those places. We're going to talk today about the spirit of offense. I believe that we are currently in a culture. We live in an era where people are predominantly offended. Everybody's offended about everything or anything, any opportunity to be offended. Now listen, before we point our finger into society this morning, I want to propose to you that everything that we see in society started in a sanctuary. That culture is a byproduct of church. Either it is or it isn't, and it's supposed to be. And if it is, then we need to stop pointing our finger and start opening up our hands. God, not look at them, but what's in me. In this series, we want to discuss some of the things that we can learn through Scripture as a church, as a body, so that we can go, they'll get, then go exemplify that in society and in our culture. And I've noticed in my short tenure as pastor that some of the most offendable people in the world are in church. <laughs> you knew I was gone and you didn't call me. You knew I was sick and you didn't come. No, I didn't know. Well, I put it on Facebook. I've got 3,800 friends on Facebook. I don't even know if your post came up. Well, you, you knew I was gone and you, you didn't check on me. You didn't send anybody. Or, or somebody, here's the other sign. Somebody misses a Sunday or two and I notice. I give them a call. Well, pastor, I've only been gone for two Sundays. I mean, my goodness, I hadn't been missing. It's not like I quit tithing. Get all offended because I called. Get all offended because I don't call. Get all offended because we do check in, because we ask a question, or because we ask too many questions, because we don't ask a question, because I introduced myself to you again. Sorry, okay? There's more of you than there are of us. And sometimes we make mistakes, but I've noticed that as a predominant characteristic, specifically in the church, we expect honor way more than we're willing to earn it. Predominantly in the house of God, and hey, it even begins with me, like, I don't like going places and not being acknowledged. It's tough, but it's human, and we have to deal with it. The original author of this message, he preached this message at the General Council of the Assemblies of God, and honestly, for Chris Fry, and you can interpret this however you want, but honestly, saved the Assemblies of God for me. Uh, that first night of the Influence Conference uh, this past year in Orlando. A powerful message by a traveling evangelist and preacher. He's on staff at Trinity Church uh, in the Dallas area. His name is Robert Madu. He is a Southwestern Assembly of God University graduate. And he preached this message in which he entitled it, Get Over It. And he spoke about the spirit of offense. One of the examples that he used was an opportunity that he had to preach at Elevation Church, a small church in North Carolina, when in the world. Uh, he, he preached at Elevation Church, and he was preaching about being desperate before God. And he made this statement. He said, I would rather preach to 30 desperate people in a basement than to 3,000 bougie people in the Bahamas. Okay, for those of you who don't know what bougie is, okay, that is like extra or high maintenance, easily offendable people. He got a ton of loves and likes and comments about that message, but then he got about two to three hundred comments 
from people who were offended about what he said about Bahamian people. Let that register for just a minute. Bahamian people were offended that he would not want to come to their nation. And he called them bougie in front of the entire world. I would like for you to know, preacher, that Bahamian people are not bougie. That we are not stuck up and we are not high maintenance. And you have offended millions of people with your blasphemous comments about our country. Those were legitimate comments being posted. Pastor Stephen Furtick, my wife gave me this example. She, our staff will sometimes know when I'm going to preach a specific sermon. They'll go and, and study and listen to other messages and give me some illustrations and examples. And I value their input, which you should always value the input of other people because everyone is smarter than anyone. Just Okay, that's another side note. But they, she sent me this, this illustration. And Pastor Stephen Furtick had posted something on social media. And he had said that church... Going to church shouldn't feel like going to the library. Like you walk in and you have to be all like quiet and still and, and not offend anybody. It should be inspirational. It should be exciting. Like Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whenever we have services, like that should be the most anticipated moment of the week when the saints of God come to the house of God, gather together and worship Him in spirit and truth. That's a good thing. That's all He was trying to say. But the librarian in his church, she did not like that he talked down about her occupation and her place of work. She was highly offended. Offendability is something that has arisen even though it was never previously a word. And some people will miss the transformational truth of an entire message because they listened to one line that they didn't like and they decided to be offended. It wasn't because they couldn't comprehend it. It's because it was offending. We live in an age, an era of offense. Robert Madu says victimhood has gone viral and it is no longer a character flaw to be offended. It is now a constitutional right to be offended. Everybody is offended. Republicans, Democrats, third party, no party, Asian, Caucasian, African, American, African American, unbelievers, believers, everybody is offended at someone. Sinners are offended. Saints are offended. New Orleans saints are offended. <laughs> if that referee would have thrown that flag, we'd have won the Super Bowl and Drew Brees wouldn't have hurt his thumb. It's his fault. Still offended right now. We're all offended. Funny examples. Uh, this is a true example, though. A group of vegans, which I, I never understand. I mean, I love corn, but I like it more when my deer eat it. So group of vegans, this is apparently true. I didn't fact check this. You can do it for me or either way. It's funny. They were so offended that they were calling for the removal of meat-based metaphors. We want to remove meat. <laughs> Some people are so funny. The removal of meat-based metaphors such as I'm bringing home the bacon. They want to change it to I'm bringing home the broccoli. 
You can bring home broccoli if you want to, but you better have some Velveeta in that sack with it. I'm just letting you know. Like, I'll eat the greens covered in cheese. Come on, somebody. It's okay with me. A true story, true story. Animal rights activists, they got on this bandwagon. They were backed by PETA, which is amusing to me that PETA is what I stuff my meat in right before I eat. Anyway, so uh, PETA, some of our, I'm not trying to offend you if you're an animal rights activist. Like, I love most animals um, on my plate. All right, so, I'm not, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not. Some, some of our, you can't, I would never make it in North America, like Northern America. Okay? They would kick me out after one week. Um, where'd my scripture, though, go? There it goes. Okay, this is legitimate. Some of our commonly used phrases, according to these animal rights activists, some of our commonly used phrases are offensive They encourage animal cruelty. Listen, phrases such as, you're beating a dead horse. Guys, I don't think the horse cares. I just, he's dead. Okay, but it's truly offensive. You're beating a dead horse. And phrases should be banned. Phrases such as, you can kill two birds with one stone. Instead, we should replace these phrases. We should be saying, you're feeding a fed horse. And you can feed two birds with one scone instead. Replacing meat-based metaphors and animal cruelty in our speech, you hateful people. Now, I understand that this is silly to some of us, but it's, it's serious to them. Uh, in fact, it's so serious that some of them were willing to go to prison based on what they believed. Uh, there was a group of animal activists that drove up in front of a steakhouse They had loudspeakers, and they began to play the sounds of dying cows. Now, I don't know what that sounds like, but I'm going to assume that it doesn't go well with my dinner. Uh, They began to play the sound of dying cows in front of the restaurant, and they refused to leave. They were ultimately arrested for disturbing the peace and put in prison because of what they were offended by and how passionate they were even if it was about the wrong thing. See, the truth is, some of these things are silly, but to all of us, some things are very serious. And what is silly to other people can be too serious to us. And if we're not careful, we can operate in the very offense that we actually laughed at earlier. Is what you're offended over eternal? If the wrong person at the wrong time says the wrong thing, then every single one of us can easily become offended. If the right person, come on, let's just get real this morning. If the right person at the wrong time says the wrong thing, maybe it's even the right thing. If we didn't like it, we can still become offended by it. Maybe you put something out there and you were really carrying and somebody didn't know it and they had a conversation with you and you walk away offended because it didn't seem like they even cared. Well, they probably didn't even know. Don't be offended or do. The choice is yours. The question this morning that we want to answer is what do we do in a culture of offense? What do we do in a culture of offense? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, how will we know when the end is near. How will we know when the end is near? And Luke 21 and Matthew chapter 24 both give us an illustration 
and an example of things that we can look at to know that the end is coming. And Jesus began to illustrate with his words, how we could know that the last days were nearing us. He would give us examples like wars and rumors of wars, commotions and earthquakes, persecution and drifting away from the faith. He said, when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, you can know that its desolation is near. But right there in the middle of this entire text is something extremely significant that sometimes is overlooked. In Matthew 24, verse 10, he answered his disciples and he said, At that time, then, many will be offended. A spirit of offense will arise in the last days as a significant sign that the end is near. Many will be offended. They will betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. Hear me. If the love in your heart for God and His people has begun to grow cold, then you may want to trace it back to where you began to be offended. Because offense will lead to a cold heart every time with God and with the people that say they came in His name. But, verse 13, He who endures to the end shall be saved. So we see a choice. Be offended or endure. Let's look at, look at another example. Luke 17, 1. Jesus, again, speaking to His disciples, He said to His disciples, It is impossible! Now, hear me. When the God of all things, the God of the possible, says something is impossible, when the healer, the provider, the protector, and the peace giver says this is impossible, we may want to open our ears and listen in closely to what he's about to say. It is impossible that no offenses should come. Understand that it is possible before you leave here today that someone in here, possibly even me, will offend you. You will sense an offense most days that you are awake and conscious. Jesus said, it is impossible that the offenses should come. Notice that he did not say that you should be offended by the offense. He did not say it is impossible not to be offended. He did not say it is impossible not to offend. So don't use this scripture as an excuse to go out and offend people. Don't, use, don't ever use this scripture as an excuse to go out and offend people. Because Jesus then says, But woe to the one through whom that offense does come. Woe to him through whom the offense comes. And then he goes on to say, it would be better if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were cast into the sea. A millstone is a stone about the size of a washing machine that would weigh a whole lot more to be cast onto the sea. He said it's impossible that offenses will not come. But he did not say that it is impossible not to be offended or not to offend. In fact, I believe that Jesus wants us to define, to define the difference between an offense and being offended. An offense is something that happens. 
Being offended is your reaction to something that happens. It's your response to something that happens. An offense is an event that takes place. Possibly an event from an individual. But being offended is a choice. It's not an event. It's a choice. It's a decision that you're able to make. Offend or endure. I propose to you that you're going to have to choose between being offended and being anointed. But you cannot have both. You cannot have the offense of man and the anointing of God in the same vessel. They cannot coexist. So when you choose one, you are intentionally not choosing the other one. But when you intentionally choose the other one, then you are allowing the latter to be taken care of. An offense is inevitable. Jesus says it is impossible not to experience an offense, but being offended is optional. One is inevitable and one is optional. The good news is it is possible for us to live above offense. The reason that I didn't name this message Get Over It as its original author did is because there are some things, as I said last week, that you will never get over. But there is nothing in the name of Jesus, by the power of His Spirit, that you cannot stand over. There is nothing by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony that you cannot overcome because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength even overcome the offense without leaving without getting angry or anger and sin not you know go beat the snot out of a pillow whatever you got to do go scream into your refrigerator it's a good place it just echoes back into your ears and you'll soften yourself. It could be painful. If you really want to get out of there quickly, stick your head in the ice bin and just scream your lungs off. You will get over it in just a moment. Pastor Brian Houston, the leader of Hillsong, which, by the way, is originated in the Australian Assemblies of God. Just a little Assembly of God shout out there. Um, Hillsong's Original pastor, Brian Houston, said, this is not in your notes, you'll have to hear this one with your heart. Any seasoned believer, strong in the word, has no defendable excuse for being offended. No seasoned believer, strong in the word, has a defendable excuse for being offended. So the big question today is, how easy is it for you to get offended? How easy is it for you to get offended? Can I just be completely honest and transparent today? I'm going to verbally take myself off the platform, but, but not physically because some people wouldn't be able to see me. I'm just going to be honest. My level of being offended is way too high. And I know this because I can have 10 people send me a text message after service about how great everything went throughout the day. But if one person sends me an email about something that happened on that same day, 
I can be offended. If a hundred people tell me how great the message was, but one person comes up and chastises me instead of confirming me, I can be offended. In my own way, I truly believe for me and for my bride and for my babies, I really believe that God has some big things. We serve a big God. And I believe that he's got big things, not just for me and mine, but for you and yours. But I can sense the conviction whenever I say that God cannot give me the big things that he has for me when it just takes the smallest things for me to be offended. My level of being offended is actually an indicator of my lack of maturity. That's me personally. I'm with you in this. It's not easy not to be offended. But in Jesus' name, we can grow over that offense. The level at which you are offended is the indicator. I believe that Jesus will offend us. It doesn't mean that we get to take what he said and offend other people on purpose. Because you're not Jesus. That's a revelation for some of us. For a long time, I used him as an excuse to be a jerk. <laughs> I'm not him. I have to answer to him, just like the people that I do my best to minister to. But if I'm not careful, I can get in the way of what he wanted to do in someone else. Jesus will offend us because the Bible says that he is the way. That means we can't keep going our way. He is the truth. And sometimes... The truth hurts. But the truth could be transformational. But if we're all being honest this morning, more often than not, the truth is not transformational in our lives. It ticks us off. It pushes a button that we didn't want to be pushed. It triggers an emotion that we did not want to be triggered. Uh, Robert Madu used this example. I thought it was hilarious, so I'll share it with you. He said, the truth can be like drunk people, a toddler, and spandex. It will let you know whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> you are welcome for that mental image. I just pray that the Lord would wipe that clean from you. They will let you know the truth whether you asked for it or not. It will happen what if your moment with God, what if your breakthrough in God, what if your miracle from God was on the other side of offense? What if it was on the other side of a fence? What if the offense in your life was actually a fence? In your life. What will you do when God and or his people offend you? Matthew chapter 15. We see a lady who experiences a miracle. At that very hour, the Bible says, she experiences her miracle. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, Jesus went out from an area and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan 
I want you to notice the specifics of the scripture. A woman who did not have the right to speak to a man in that culture. Of Canaan, a pagan nation who was not welcome in Israel. A pagan nation who was not welcome at that time in Judaism. A woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. I want you to recognize the Jewish line of kingship that the pagan woman responded to in that moment. She was willing to break the code of culture in that moment because she had something significant that culture could not help. She cried out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now see, if she would have been oppressed by a demon, she might have stayed silent. But we all know that when something's wrong with our baby, we all know that when a mama has an issue with a baby. Now in this scenario, it was a girl. But in my house, it's a girl's and a boy. Like my wife is precious. But you mess with her baby boy, and she's German. <laughs> Telling you, it will happen. You know how many meetings I have talked her out of in regards to her baby boy? I'm telling you, he ain't sunshine. He's the light of God in her life. And that mama will go absolutely crazy against the code of culture when it comes to her baby. I can see five foot two, a hundred pounds drawing a circle around another child before she watches that child bully her baby. Come on. Threaten the kid, y'all, before that kid gets to her baby. again. Now, this hadn't happened. I could just see it in my head. How many of you, I have seen mamas schedule meetings with principals and teachers there is nothing wrong with my kid. Your school is messed up. Your whole system is messed up. My kid is too smart for your school. That's what's wrong. It's your curriculum that has an issue. Your teacher can't keep up with my fifth grader. That's the problem at your school. Something happens inside of us when it comes to our baby. And in this moment, this woman from Canaan was experiencing a baby that was assessed and possessed by a demon. Listen, culture gets laid to the side when there's a demon attacking your house. What's culturally relevant is no longer important when it comes to your most integral relationships. You're willing to cry out, to call out, and to speak the name of Jesus even if you don't reserve the right because your baby has a demon. She cries out. And I want you to notice Jesus' response in verse 23. He answered her, not a word. Wow, Jesus. Did you not see my Facebook post? 
Did you not see my Instagram? There's no excuse because Instagram doesn't go off the algorithms. I'm your follower. You should have seen my Instagram. You follow me. It was seen by you. If you want to see your moment, you want to see your breakthrough, you want to see your miracle, you will have to overcome the offense of being ignored. See, in modern day, and I know a lot of people get offended by this, so I'm going to use this as an example. A lot of people have gotten mad at younger people when they're not paying attention. But in this story... This woman, screaming at Jesus, crying to Jesus, Son of David, my daughter has a demon. And Jesus says, That's crazy. He ignores her. Now most of us, if that were you, you're out because that just offended you I can't believe they'd be on their cell phone did he not hear me I know he heard me not going to pay me any attention I'll tell you what I'll go somewhere else somebody acknowledges me somebody gives me some attention see everybody wants to be honored but nobody wants to earn and Jesus answers her not a word ignores her now some of you think this is ugly but I just see the father's heart has your kid ever asked you something stupid and you it's so dumb you don't even have a response whatever it is you're doing you're working on something you hear what the child says you're over here working you're doing taking care of something and you just look See, Jesus didn't have to say something out loud in order for her to hear what he had to say. He was able to ignore and make sure that she was willing. If we're not willing to go through that moment where we don't think God is listening, if we're not willing to go through that moment where we think our prayers are hitting the ceiling, See, most of us walk away from the most important relationships in our lives because we feel like our feelings are being ignored. Well, he doesn't love me the way he used to. She doesn't pay attention to me. All she cares about is... And we walk away from God and the things that he had for us because we weren't being acknowledged the way that we expected to be acknowledged. And Jesus answered her not a word, and yet she stayed. Number two. If we want to see our breakthrough, we have to overcome the offense of the institution. The offense of hateful people in the church. I'm not going to church, sit around with a bunch of hypocrites. Hello, that's why we're here. It'd be like not going to Walmart because everybody's buying groceries. Like that's where you go to get the food. It's there. That's why we're all, yeah, we're, we're all hypocrites. We're all hurting. We're all jacked up. We're all imperfect people before a perfect God. We need help. Come on, somebody. We're all in the same hospital. <laughs> Pastor Chris, you're a fake. Duh. 
but I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. I hope you are too. Because I'm not him, but I hadn't given up yet. That's just where I am in life. I'm not just a better version, I'm becoming like him. That's my objective. Listen, we cannot let, hear me, the people of God offend us to a place where we're no longer willing to walk with God. We cannot let people cause us to become disobedient to the one that created the person. Why would I let somebody else's dysfunction interrupt my destiny? Why would I let dysfunction in their relationship cause division in my destiny and in my relationships? We cannot allow what people do to us to be more effective than what God has done for us. We cannot allow what people say, what people do, whether in the house or in the society. Whatever a man does is probably not divine in nature because we are all fallen people in a fallen world in need of a Savior. But if you will stay the course and walk with Jesus, then you can overcome the institution, everybody in it. You may never get over it, but you can stand over it. That's what I believe Paul meant by saying we must be above reproach. We can't be offended because of the people. Notice the offense. The disciples came and urged Jesus, send her away. Send her away, Jesus. She's not wearing the right stuff. She's got a nose ring. It wasn't sin when it was right here, but if it's here or here, all of a sudden, oh, I done gone there. It wasn't sin when his pants were too baggy. Now that his pants are like this. It wasn't sin when she was wearing it, now all of a sudden it is because he's wearing it. Oh, come on. We don't get to define sin according to a new culture's perspective. Sin is not defined by culture. Sin is defined as anything that falls short of the glory of God. So whether I have a beard or a clean face, I'm in His presence, and in His presence, there is fullness of joy. In His presence, there is freedom. It shouldn't matter whether I'm trimmed or not. God can handle whatever it is that I'm currently walking in if we'll stay out of His way. The institution, send her away, Jesus. She cries after us. You idiot. She's not hollering at you. She didn't say you. She didn't say Peter. She didn't say James. Judas. Didn't holler Mary Magdalene at nobody. She said Jesus, son of David. Unless somebody else's daddy's name was David, shouldn't be any confusion over who the woman's crying out to. And yet we do the same thing. We allow the way that people are currently to offend us positionally. And they come in and they have no idea the what they're supposed to be like. They're supposed to do. 
and we get mad at them because we're arrogant. And we would rather be offended than anointed. We would rather be offended than influential. Son of David, now send her away. She cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Watch her response. Remember, an offense is an event. But being offended is a decision. Her response in verse 25. So she came even closer and worshipped him. Saying, not son of David, but Lord. I don't care about them. I came for you. I don't care about them. I came for him. I'm not here because they told me to. I'm here because you told me to. I'm not going to let their dysfunction cause me to be disobedient and miss out on what you had as a divine destiny. I'm here for you no matter what they do. That's who I'm here for. Number three, final one. We need to overcome the offense of insult. So he answered her and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. The little dogs. Not the stray dogs, not the ugly dogs, not the separated dogs, not the mangy mutts, but the little dogs. And scholars say that this word in the Greek, it meant like a family dog, like a pet that was welcome in the home. It didn't mean like a, a stray that was unwelcome and had no master or had no owner. But I would just like to submit to you this morning that when you call a woman a dog, it doesn't matter what kind of dog you called her, you just called her a dog. If you would like to practice this proposition, Go home this afternoon, get real close to the sweetest, most senior saint that you know, and call her a dog, and make sure that somebody is filming it so that the rest of us can watch her response in that moment. But she chose not to be offended by the insult, and therefore she understood the intention of that which Jesus was saying. Because immediately, she responds. Watch her response. She said, yes. In other words, she said, Jesus, I don't care what you call me as long as you call me. <laughs> I don't care what you call me to. Some people leave the church if I don't give them the right position. I bet. I didn't see your foot there. I'm so sorry. Stepped right on your big toe. It was an accident. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In other words, as long as it comes from you, I don't care where my seat is. As long as it comes from you, I don't care what's on the table. As long as it comes from you, if you'll be my master, you can call me whatever you want to call me. Just call me and I will come. She could have been offended by the insult, but she chose instead to receive the influence of what he had to say. Jesus answered and said to her, Woman, <laughs> great is your faith. 
let it be to you as you desire. And the Bible says her daughter was healed at that very hour when she chose to not be offended by being ignored, to not be offended by the institution, to not be offended by the insult. Her breakthrough was on the other side of an offense. Her moment with Jesus was on the other side of an offense. I believe that there's somebody, maybe some somebodies in the room this morning that need to stop stumbling over offense and start using it as a step to get to the other side. If you remember in the previous series, we said that Jesus is the ladder. And if you will climb on and keep on climbing, then you can get to the other side. What if your at this very hour was on the other side of you being offended by being ignored? What if your at this very hour was on the other side of you being offended by some ignorant person that claimed to be divine interpretation? What if your offense was on the other side? What if your moment, your breakthrough, your miracle in Jesus' name was dependent upon whether you decided to be offended or anointed? Whether you decided to be offended or be influential? Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible says at that very moment, she crossed over to the other side and she received what Jesus had for her on the other side of offense. Your miracle is on the other side of offense. Your moment is on the other side of offense. Your breakthrough with God is on the other side of offense. Would you give him praise this morning? Some people offended about how excited I am. But see, what you don't understand that I'm receiving the revelation of is that the enemy wanted to build a wall when Jesus wanted to build stairs. And I'm not going to stay here with people when I could be here with him. longer than it was supposed to be. So you have a choice. Will you give up or will you get up? Will you be held down or will you let him help you over? You may never get over it, but you can by the blood of the Lamb. And the words that you decide to say overcome even the offense. Father, right now, I pray that if there's anybody in here offended, that they would cast their care upon you because you care for them. You care for them more than anybody in this church could care for them. You care for them more than any disciple could care for them. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And you have anointing in the place of offense. You have influence in the place of offense. So God, today I pray that instead of allowing the fence to stand, we would allow you to open up the gate 
and walk over to the other side. I need the followers of Jesus to pray right now. Holy Spirit, I pray if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, that has not received forgiveness of offense that somebody else did to them, or that they brought on themselves, that this would be the day of their salvation. Today would be the day that they walk in forgiveness and that they receive your free gift that you purchased for them. If you're in here and you don't know whether you're in Christ, if you're in here for the first time or the first time in a long time and you know you need to let God forgive you, you need to receive salvation you need to dedicate or rededicate or really dedicate your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray in 30 seconds. And without hesitation, if the Spirit is stirring in you and you want to be included in that prayer, right where you sit, lift your hand and say, hey, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. I am surrendering today. I am receiving salvation today. I want to know Him and make Him known. I'm not going to carry offense any further. I want to receive His forgiveness, His influence, and His anointing. Anybody else? Hands going up all over the room. Praise God. Church, right where you sit, whether you raise your hand or whether you didn't, we believe that there is power in the prayer of confession. So all together, let us confess with our mouth the things that God has, the way that He sees us, and receive His salvation. Come on, pray this with me out loud. Jesus, forgive me for offense. The things I've done, the things that have been done to me, I hand them over. I surrender. I believe you paid for it all. You gave your life so I could live. So take my life. Make it yours. Use me to build your kingdom and to be your child. May I follow you with all of my heart for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.